that registration fee is set in statute, um, is that going to change? Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, that's definitely something to talk with your legislators about. Uh, yeah. As far as the change went, the change, so I'm sure your listener is aware. So 2019 and 2020, we were operating under an ag pilot program, just basically a bare bones law that said um, after the 2014 Farm Bill that you, you could do research, right? So growers were partnering with um, MDAR to, to grow hemp. We are live on the IHEMP Hour. Welcome. My name is Dave Craybill. I'm with IHEMP Michigan. IHEMP Michigan's mission is to educate, inform, and promote the research, development, and cultivation of industrial hemp here in Michigan. IHEMP Michigan advocates for wellness in the people and the planet through hemp, and it begins with the farmer. Please join us in our advocacy and join IHEMP Michigan. Did you know, Mike Brennan, that it's only 100 bucks a year to be a business member and be part of our, our directory? You'd be a fool not to join I am. You don't want to be a fool now, do you? Right? Okay. No, we don't. Yep. So, Mike, what what's going on 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 the other side of the aisle there? Other side of the point three. Uh, well, yesterday, Tuesday, actually Wednesday, because we did a live stream from it. Uh, the legislature went back into session, and there was some bills dropped that were sort of anti caregiver bills, medical marijuana caregiver bills. And uh, there's a very large, well, there's a small consortium of very large vertical players that are trying to drive essentially the caregivers out of the market so they go into their dispensaries to sell their products. That's really the end game. But the point being is that the legislation that was dropped on the, uh, well, actually it dropped on the 14th, but there was a big rally on the 15th from all the caregivers and it reduced the number of patients allowed for a caregiver from five to one starting next March. Uh, and a lot of other changes as well. Uh, and then there's there's noise, although I don't think it was part of what's happening, but there's also some concern that right now, anybody that's 21 adult use can grow 12 plants a year in their backyard or whatever, as long as they're not visible from the street. And, and I don't think that was part of the bills, but I know that there's been discussion of cutting that down to only three plants per person from 12 Again, the end game is these very large, it's the Michigan Cannabis Manufacturers Association, which represents the very large players. They're trying to just drive all that out of the market and make you buy everything at their dispensaries. So it's not being well received by the folks that started this industry back in 2009 with the medical marijuana stuff. Uh, I know, uh, so we, we had a live stream. One of our co-hosts now, uh, well, has been the co-host all along on my 420 Post show is Rick Thompson, but he was uh, about a month ago elected executive director of Michigan Normal. So he was on the show talking about some of this legislation. And you can see that at uh, mimarijuanareport.com if you want to see what Rick had to say. And then Dan Sparrow, who represents a lot of caregivers, was also on the show. Uh, so that's the kind of the big news right now. There's there's a lot of legislation afoot to make some serious changes and the people that started the industry in the state are not real happy with what's happening and whether they actually get approved by the legislature, it would take a super majority to get them approved because they were ballot initiatives. Super majority would be three fourths of the house and the Senate. I don't know if they can muster that level of votes, but who knows, maybe they can. And if that happens then there's going to be a lot of changes afoot come next spring. So that's our biggest news out of the Michigan Marijuana Report and 420 Post. Yeah, I read that. You know, that's um, yeah, kudos to Rick Thompson for putting up the good fight. You know, I hope uh, the big money doesn't win because it just certainly seems that they do want to squeeze everybody out. So, Blaine, Blaine, what's going on? Well, you know, first of all, I want to uh, <clears throat> thank everybody for helping us out and attended the, <clears throat> the Expo in Grand Rapids. Um, what a great show that was. Uh, the Deltaplex, um, uh, J.D. Ackley and uh, Alex uh, did a great job. Uh, J.D. Uh, spoke on Hemponomics 101 there, did a real nice presentation on that. Also, another member, Michael Tui, uh, Great Lakes Hemp uh, Supplements, he was there, uh, did a nice talk on, on uh, use of, of CBD and other, other products for um, medicinal purposes. And so I want to thank them for stepping up. And then I want to thank Scott Colville too. Uh, he uh, joined us down at uh, Raleigh 
and uh, so did Michelle Beeks. Uh, want to help her give a shout out to them for helping us out with that. What a great show down there. And, uh, you know, there's just so many good things that are still happening. I know that everybody with the CBD is a little on one side of things, but the industry as a whole is moving forward. Um, and it's still in a very positive direction. So very happy to see all that. You know, when you go to these expos and you go to these shows, it's where that magic happens, right? It's where you get to meet other people that are in the industry and see what they're doing. And that just uh, gives you the excitement to know that people are not, uh, are still moving forward with a lot of stuff on this. So uh, talk about the expo. Uh, we have ours coming up, of course, in January. Uh, it's going to be January 21st and 22nd. It's a Friday, Saturday at the Lansing Center uh, and also the Radisson Hotel. Uh, Friday night uh, will be the Hempy Awards party. So you don't want to miss that. Yes. We're going to have a nice dinner. We're going to have a DJ and a lot of fun awards are going to be given away for that. So if you're making any kind of hemp product, uh, innovations. Also, we have a photo contest that you can enter in that. So a lot of fun. And uh, we'll have a cool award to give away this year again for that entering into that. So, so is uh, I am going to have a big hospitality suite at your event in January? Well, we'll probably have something set up. Um, but of course, Friday night will be the big hospitality for everybody. So yeah, we're having a party Friday night. Yeah. yeah. What more do you want? We're rolling out the green carpet for all yeah. the empties. Yeah, we're not doing the red carpet, it's the green carpet. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. And of course, then on Thursday, the 20th, um, Food Chain ID and the US Hemp uh, Authority uh, will be putting on a class for everybody that wants to and needs to get certified as they move forward with this product. Uh, this is a product, folks, that we ingest one way or another into our body, and it is going to be regulated at some point in time. And it's going to get to be the point where the processors are going to ask from the growers, you know, are you certified? Are you growing the crop in a safe manner? So uh, going to be a great uh, one day uh, seminar that we're going to have on that. Um, and there'll be more information put out on that as soon as we get all those final details taken care of. Um, another shout out to uh, Lori Putt had a really, <clears throat> really nice article uh, in the Michigan Farm News regarding their farm up there. Um, Hangover hops is what it started out with, but now it's hypnotized hops. So, um, so great, uh, great article there. Plus, uh, shout out to Tony Solano for what he did uh, for the um, steam uh, competition. Uh, nice little get together there, at Garfield Park and Grand Rapids as well last weekend. So, busy, busy, busy. Uh, we're still doing things. We have a date uh, pretty much in line for the October um, company networking, and that's going to be October Saturday, October the sixteenth. We're going to have a tour up north. Uh, we're going to stop by Lakeland Health, one of our oh, I got to go this way, don't one of our sponsors of, uh, of the show. Uh, we're going to stop there, and then Michael Tui is going to entertain us, and we're going to have a great time seeing some fall colors. And I'm thinking about maybe the terminology growlers and the grow or something like that when we do Lakeland Hemp. So we'll see what we can do there. So, um, but one of the big things that come out this week uh, was put out by uh, MDART as well as many others. Uh, uh, USF Roundtable, um, FDA, um, CDC, um, about Delta-8 and the, regarding the safe issues surrounding that, that product. Um, so just as a reminder, the Food and Drug Administration has only approved hemp seed products, whole hemp seeds, hemp seed protein powder, hemp oil, that's generally recognized as safe and allowable food products. The problem they're having with the Delta-8 is that they're having um, um, re reactions to this that's not good. Um, they've had um, emergency reactions. They've had uh, reports of where um, you know, people will go and get the gummies uh, with the Delta 8 in it, and they leave them out uh, at home, and the, and the kids eat them, and then they have problems with that. So uh, that's always a safe concern. You should take care of that on your own at home. But uh, the Delta 8 product still is coming up quite a bit. Now, we know that in, uh, in Michigan, at least they've allowed um, an avenue, and we appreciate that for people to make their own choice on this, whether it's a product they want to use or not. But remember in October, very shortly here, October the 11th, uh, it now moves into from where you can buy it in, uh, from the gas stations or other people. Now it's going to move into the marijuana matrix. So that'll happen in October. The other so, thing too that's going to happen next spring is uh, they have to change all their packaging for gummies and edibles so that the little horsies and things that would attract children yeah. Uh, would not be on the packaging anymore, as well as they've got to label it that there's THC levels in it or what those might be. Uh, yeah, that's going to take place. I think the deadline on that is next March, I believe. They're giving them six months to change their packaging. So is that that's in Michigan, Mike? 
Yeah, it's in Michigan. That's uh, something we covered on my show. Uh, they announced it about a month or so ago, I think, Dave, maybe maybe a little longer than yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but, you know, some of these packaging, if you look at the gummies uh, that the THC and, and that they sell at the dispensaries, looks just like characters on there. Those are all gone. They got to all be gone by next March. And yeah. then it, they treat it more as medicine than as, uh, you know, candy. Candy. Yeah, candy, I guess that was the word I was looking for. So, mm-hmm. Well, good, Mike. So they can find that if you go to the 420 post. Uh, actually, in my marijuana report, yeah, we'll probably do an update story on that. But, um, but uh, yeah, they announced that, and then we had a show on that. I'll, I'll see if I can find that show and post the link out so people can watch. Okay. Um, so that's really the big news to come out this week. Uh, a few other things I'll cover at the end of the show. But, Mike, I think it's time uh, we get Molly right on front and center. All right. Well, we're excited to have Molly Mott from Michigan Department of, of Agriculture and, and Rural Development Pesticide and Plant Management Division. Wow. That's a mouthful. So yeah. Molly's been with uh, MDARD for 20 years, and, and she was just thrust into this new position with when Gina decided uh, to, to stay home and retire. So Molly, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much, Dave. I appreciate being here and I appreciate giving the opportunity to to talk with everybody and clarify anything that I can clarify and go over regulations and anything else you want to talk about. Okay. All right. So, um, you know, the the Delta-8 thing obviously is the big gorilla in the room and we've come out, you know, I've spoken about that. You know, my, my big concern with it is the way it's processed. You know, it's like anything that we consume, it should be a CGMP, uh, you know, it should, you know, certified good manufacturing practices, I think is what that stands for. So, you know, we Correct. should have these processes in place and do it right, you know, if we're going to consume it so we don't cause harm. And, and that's what, um, you know, with the, the Midwest Hemp Council meeting, there was a, um, a lab talking uh, on their their meeting this week, and he's he's seeing levels of solvents and such. And yet, if you we're using people are using muriatic acid in their garage to convert uh, CBD isolate into delta eight. You know that's how it's made. Or yeah, you know, he says, well, you can use lemon juice or whatever. You know, any kind of acid, you know, will cause that conversion. And he says they're finding solvents left in it. So. Um, so is that Delta 8 now is totally out of your realm uh, come October? Right, right. That, you know, that's going to be entirely with MRA, Marijuana Regulatory Agency. And, and that really is the better fit for it, right? When we, when the Department of Agriculture jumped into the hemp world, you know, we were looking at the fiber things. We were looking at the CBD issues and it's, and while some of these other chemicals have been around for a while, they're just getting into the limelight again, right? Mm. And, and dealing with intoxicating compounds is not necessarily where um, my division and my department is going to usually, right? We're, we, are, we are definitely in the cultivation world. We, we deal with pesticides. We deal with inspecting ornamental plants. We, we deal with in, uh, diseases, invasive species, those are the things that um, my division typically deals with. So mm-hmm. in a nutshell, things like Delta-8 and THCO acetate, those things are a much better fit getting regulated with MRA um, than they are with MDARD. So uh, I'm sure you can't answer this, but I'm going to ask it anyhow. Just do you see CBD, all any anything medicinal moving in that direction because that's that's the rumblings I'm hearing. Uh, I, I see that in other states. Um, they're you know we're we're talking about the same plant, right? And it and this legal uh, description that puts it above or or below that 03 percent. So is that going to happen in Michigan? I I don't. I have a lot of superpowers, but no um, yeah, no yeah, ability yeah. to see, foresee the future. So. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know what will it will look like. I don't know sometimes what it will look like two weeks from now with all the legislation that I see popping up, let alone um, a year from now. So that's a good question. I've seen proposals like that. I, I've seen industry talk about 
you know, does that make more sense to have that whole um, CBD and other cannabinoid production shift over? It, it's, it's things that are being discussed, but I don't know where it's going to go. Yeah, because it's a, it's a different level of compliance. It's a little a little different when you're you know offering something that people are going to consume. But you but you do if foods people consume food, so you know maybe there is no difference. I don't know. Well, yeah. uh, MDARD isn't you know that you're talking about intoxicating things. Alcohol isn't with us either per se, right? Well, but yeah, you, you know, so you're making an argument, you know, that CBN, CBG. CBD, you know, they're not intoxicating, but now I'm hearing, you know, there's all these THCO, THC, I don't know, I have a list of them. There's like three or four or five that they're coming out with, you know, they're coming out with all these different compounds every day, trying to work around and make a buck, you know, and I mean, they're, I, I'm just concerned with the motives, you know, so it's interesting to see it play out. You're right. It's moving fast. Mm-hmm. So well, and, and, and a lot of them, a lot of these folks doing that know that they're going to get popped in a year or so. But in the meantime, they'll make a lot of money before they get popped, and you know that's how the game is played, right? Yeah. So Molly, we know that, uh, of course, right now with with the CBD, we'll talk about grain of fiber in a little bit. But we know that right now there's an oversupply, and some people still have biomass from years ago. But maybe you can help us out a little bit to know where we sit in Michigan. Do you have some numbers that you can share with us as far as growers and processors and acres and sure, stuff like sure, that. Sure. So as of a couple of days ago, when I checked, we had 166 registered growers in the state, uh, 292 licensed processors. Oh. We have, oh, it's uh, for square footage. So indoors, um, 1,301,000. 779 square feet. I think that ends up to about 30 acres of indoor growing and 2,830 outdoors. Acres. So, pardon? Uh, 2,000 acres outdoors, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost 3,000 outdoors. Uh, so, you know, that when I hear those numbers, that doesn't mean much to me. I have to, you know, compare them to prior years. So, um, I'm sure... I'm sure your audience and you have heard that there that is a decline. Uh, that's and it's around an 80 percent, 70 some percent reduction for our growers. And when it comes to that acreage and square footage, we're in like 80 plus percent reduction from the past two years. How many growers Sorry. did you say again? Uh, 166 registered right now. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So do you have a do you have a breakdown of that between CBD and grain and fiber? Uh, we know yes and no. Um, I don't have I will say, well, first of all, we're going to be releasing hopefully still this week um, our 2020 annual report. So yeah, getting that information we collect after the season mm-hmm. um, via survey. So the survey for 2020 data came out, I think around in January um, with all of our staffing changes and and Gina leaving and us getting things um, together for our state hemp plan and the law tweaks we've needed to do. Um, Doing that report got pushed back until more recently when I had an intern that could help uh, crunch some of that crazy data that we got back from there. So that report will have a breakdown um, but I can say, by and large, right now it was CBD growers. Um, you know, that was that was the bulk of our growers for 2020. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I, I've I've heard. I want to let you know that I've heard very good comments uh, regarding uh, the inspectors that are going out and doing their job this year. So just Great. kudos there. Just to let you know. Um, but can you give us a little uh, update on that, how that's going and how, how that process sure. is working with people? Sure, sure, sure. The Absolutely. So I would say just within the last two weeks, the number of requests coming in for sampling really exploded. Uh, we tried to get a little bit ahead of the curve by putting out some announcements. You know, I'm trying to be very proactive and getting out information on our email list. We got two lists. One is for anybody that signs up on our website and selects they want hemp info. 
And we've got another, another list for all of our growers and processors. So first, first things first, uh, if I'm going to say, if you don't know what's going on with our program, please get your name on that email list because I, you know, that's a big part of my job trying to get information out to everyone. So it's a new program, right? So that's really my primary way to get info out to tell you, hey, what is that sampling process? What do I need to do? When's the renewal season coming up? So um, a few weeks back, we put out an announcement about the sampling process. Um, it's been going well. We have not just our plant health staff uh, doing those sampling inspections, but all of our inspectors. So that includes our pesticide inspectors, our feed safety and fertilizer inspectors, and our fruit and veg inspectors. So plant health is just one of those sections. All those other groups are involved. So we've got 47 inspectors that are designated sampling agents across the whole state so we can respond in a timely fashion when we get those requests uh, for sampling. So, so basically what happens is when you, when you need to do uh, sampling, um, you've got to let us know. So we've got a form online that you fill out. Our instructions say to please let us know 20 to 30 days ahead of time. And I've heard that interpreted different ways. So I want to uh, make a point of, about that. It does not mean that you call us and we've got 20 to 30 days to get ourselves out there and get the sample taken. The law is written so that you call us 20, 30 to days ahead of your harvest date so we can get your reservation on the books. If every grower called us tomorrow and said they needed sampling done in five days, we couldn't do it. You know, we, we would not be able to do that. So the goal is for you to do some planning. Um, hopefully you're doing some compliance testing during that time, so you have a really good understanding for CBD crops of when you want us to come out, um, give a, fill out that form online ahead of that window, you know, not give us just a three-day uh, notice ahead of time so we can have an inspector get assigned and give you a call. And then they work with that grower to figure out the, the date that works best for both of them. So I have had, you know, no complaints, no issues, um, that any of the growers have called me with about getting sampling done when they need it to be done. And that was really the intent of getting our entire um, triple PM, we call them pesticide and plant pest management division staff all trained so we could handle it. But we still want you to call ahead of time so we can get your reservation there. And then if something happens, you need to tweak it a little bit, you know, you can work with the inspector directly to set a slightly different date. Um, so it's been going well. The, the inspectors, I'd say we have, let me look at our data here. Uh, as of a couple of days ago, we've had requests for 135 individual lots. So 135 samples requested from about 50 growers. Um, 99 samples have been collected so far. And that doesn't mean that we're behind. That just means that people are calling like we've asked and scheduling for the future. So um, by and large, the, the, the test results have been good. I think I've seen four hot lots so far out of all of those. So in my mind, that's, that's really good news. And I hope that trend continues. Except for those four. Except for, well, <laughs> except for those four, right. <laughs> I mean, there are, uh, you know, I'm sure you, you've uh, talked about or heard about the, the options for those hot crops. Those are you know, very prescribed options from the USDA that, that our rules have to reflect. So would you uh, remind us of those, what those sure. are? Sure. Uh, well, obviously the first one is disposal. You have disposal and remediation. If you, if you get that hot result back and you want to go the disposal route, uh, let us know at least 48 hours ahead of time. That's also a form online. Um, we will come out and witness the disposal. And then there's some record keeping that goes with it, like the date it happened, um, the method you use to dispose of it, whether it's um, uh, tilling under, mowing, chopping up, those sorts of things. So we want you, we want to make sure that you're maintaining a record of that disposal. And if, when an inspector comes out, their report to you is your record. So you can just keep it um, that route. So that's disposal. The other option is remediation. So USDA prescribes two different ways you can go about remediation. 
One is clipping off all the flower buds, disposing of those and using the rest of the plant. And MDARD would have to come out and sample that just like their pre-harvest sampling um, and witness the disposal of those buds. And then the other option is grind the entire lot into biomass and then we come out and sample that. And then hopefully after you've done one of those routes, you've got a compliant lot. Um, and the notification for remediation, if you go that route, is the same as pre-harvest sampling, same form, same thing online. Of those four companies or farmers that were hot, do you know which paths they took? Uh, well, the, it's all pretty new. One did do the disposal route. One is doing the remediation route with cutting the buds. That's actually a fiber crop um, that went hot. Wow, really? Uh, yeah, and I I don't have more details about that as that's far, right. you know, that's that's yeah. a visit that we yeah, still we have to make to watch that happen. But right, and mm -hmm. the other two are are so new that, you know, I don't know what they're going to do yet. Well, I know that uh, you guys will be at the expo too. You and uh, Craig will be able to share all that information from what happens this year. It's interesting. It's really great news because this is the only way that people can, you know, figure out which genetics are, are going to work and which aren't. Uh, the other thing, I'll give a little shout out to Neogen. If anybody still needs this service, uh, they've come up with a, uh, a device that farmers can test their crop throughout the growing season so that they know when it's getting to that you know, two and a quarter, two and a half. Okay, well, it's time to get that, call that test uh, for MDAR to come out and do that so that we don't go hot. So uh, again, if you're still in that area and you need some assistance, you can give me a call or uh, Jen, uh, Jen Nelson also, um, or Neogen, we can talk to them. And But there's a way to help prevent that this year. So The Raptor. The Raptor, yep. That's a cool name. But I'm really surprised. Well, I know you don't, you don't make the rules, but if it if, if it was decided to go to 1% for hemp, would that make your life a lot easier at, at your job? Oh, well, sure, absolutely. Because the, you know, the, uh, well, I, I should, one was actually higher than 1% so far this year, but the others, are yeah, are under 1%. So certainly, um, that would prevent us having to do, you know, this whole remediation or disposal process and make lives obviously a lot easier for the industry. Sure. We need to get Annie Rouse back on because she had an argument against us. She says 1% is already in the USDA rule really? in a fashion. And that if we go to, and we, when we go to 1%, it's going to make it harder for us to to make consumables and such because of you know, the limits on how much we can put in per package. Well, that side I'm not sure about, but I think what she's referring to as far as the USDA's rule, and, it, and again, that that is also reflected in our state laws, is 1% comes in when we start talking about violations. So USDA has prescribed that, um, uh, over your over your 0.3% plus your measurement of uncertainty up to 1% is a negligent violation. That's that's phrasing that USDA uses and that automatically kicks you into um, a, a path of where you get issued what they call a notice of violation and a corrective action plan. Um, you know, that's that's actually the enforcement side of things is the next thing that I have to develop, but that's that's where this one percent is coming in. So I've heard uh, I've gotten a few calls for from growers asking, "Well, I, I thought one percent is the is that magic number, and and that is not the magic number. It's still 0.3 percent plus that measurement of uncertainty that depends on the lab. That one percent just kicks in as far as what USD considers a negligent violation, one one percent or less." that 0.3. And I see that the lab, we came out with the information for the lab. So the lab is 0 0.06. So if you test 0.36 to, to 0 0.24, um, that's in that range of being in compliance. Um, well, point, 0.36 or less. Yeah, yeah 0.36 or less. Right. Yeah. Right. With, with Michigan's Giggly lab specifically, correct? Which is where everyone has to go in Michigan, right? That's 
That's correct. Well, yep. you're, you're going to see a different measurement of uncertainty if you're doing your, your monitoring testing throughout the season right. with other, you know, with private labs. Yep. Yeah. Every lab. So uh, the important one is though, is, 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 the, is the Lansing one. Yeah. That's <laughs> one that matters. Yeah. That's one that matters. Yeah. Um, so how about, um, complaints this year? I know we're obviously with numbers down. I mean, we probably have as many complaints, but are you still getting, uh, as many complaints or different complaints or anything we can share with everybody to, to well, stop those complaints? Yeah. Not, you know, we have not, received very many complaints at all. The, the complaints that we got so far this year, um, one are related to seed, quality of seed. Um, that's That's been a, a complaint that's happened a couple times. We, we regularly get complaints about uh, processors that don't have a license. Um, and then once in a while, odor complaints, which, which is not something that my division handles. But I mean, other than that, no, we haven't, we haven't seen any other complaints. I don't, you know, no, I don't know. Cross, cross pollination issues. Nothing that's been reported to us yet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. great. I, I haven't, I haven't heard from the growers that I've been talking to and working with. I haven't heard of um, uh, really too much of a theft issue this year either. So maybe we've got that stopped on a little bit. So right now is when all one, that would... one complaint I've heard of a theft issue, but I think it happened last year. So they had concerns for this year. So I don't have anything, no complaints otherwise about that either. Yeah. So. <laughs> You know, the program, you know, we went from $100 to grow to $1,250. So it, it washed out any people just doing it as a hobby or just research. You know, do we see any potential to come back where we can? Because we, we need to learn more about these genetics. You know, that people are having seed problems because, you know, we just don't know what we don't know yet. You know, there's, you know, of course, bad actors out there, but, you know, we need to develop more data and figure out what to grow. And with 166 growers instead of 500 growers, we're going to have less data. So, you know, it's sure. something. Uh, right. So, I mean, as you know, right now, those, that registration fee is set in statute. Um, is that going to change? Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, that's definitely something to talk with your legislators about. Uh, as far as the change went, the change. So I'm sure your listeners aware. So 2019 and 2020, we were operating under an ag pilot program, just basically a bare bones law that said, um, after the 2014 farm bill that you, you could do research, right? So growers were partnering with, um, MDARD to, to grow hemp, taking their own samples and sending them to the lab. And that, that along with license, the license itself was the extent of the program. Um, now, well, starting in December 1st, uh, we moved to the state hemp plan. So what that means is we had to develop laws and develop a plan that got submitted to USDA for approval, basically. So they can ensure that what we're doing at the state level meets their requirements, right? That matches everything in the final rule that um, they prescribe that we need to do. One of those requirements is that our, our department has to attest that we have the resources and ability to manage the program. Um, so we are, we are not getting tax dollars, no, no state tax dollars, no federal tax dollars to run the program. It's gotta be self-supporting. Um, this is, of course, before my time, this is when Gina was here, the, the information at that time when, when we started down this path from the industry was that they wanted a state-run program, not a federal program. So, I mean, since that time, we've been working hand-in-hand -hand and listening to the industry and developing the program. So we put um, an, an immense amount of time in working with our legislators, Senator Lowers, to get those laws matching what USDA needs, um, a lot of effort into our state hemp plan, a lot of effort into policies and procedures and things that our inspectors need to do, um, you know, with the hopes that, you know, we're providing the best service that we can provide for growers. 
like I said, we've got 47 staff based uh, statewide already. And hopefully we are the entity that can get you as growers, you know, the, the sampling done that you need done when you need it done. So I, you know, I'm hoping that that continues to be a benefit um, for you all is that are those fees going to change? Maybe, I don't know. I, I do understand the, the need for smaller growers to be able to participate in the, in the whole program. Um, and that's something we hear and something that we pass on uh, to the legislator as well. So again, we'll, we'll see where that goes. How's that going? When you talk to legislators, are you, I, I, you know, I still hear the snicker effect, you know, a major bank, I'm talking to a bank, you know, about opening an account, for, you know, I'm selling have plastics and how much THC is in that Frisbee? You know, I'm getting stupid questions like that. You know, we, we need to do so much education. How you, how you seeing the legislators are, are they up to speed? Would we need, you know, we, we seems like we need to do a lot of education. Yeah. Right. They're getting there. I mean, when we, when I have sat in some of these sessions, uh, some of them are very much up to speed and others, uh, you know, it's like a one-on-one thing because it hasn't been something on their radar and, and we're still at the level of, you know, explaining the difference between hemp and marijuana. And, and that's understandable, right? It, they've got a lot on their plates, not, not just, not just this. So it is something that's going to take time. I do get a fair number of calls from banks as well that are working with growers and trying to figure out um, what type of program they'll put in place uh, as far as requirements go before they before they give out a loan or do whatever they're doing with growers. So, uh, you know, I take that opportunity to educate them sure. on the differences and, you know, what our requirements are and that uh, we can always provide information to them if they want to confirm things like registration. So we are, well, we are doing are, what we can, but it's, it's new. It's new for yeah. everybody. There are, there are three banks in the state that will work with cannabis and hemp folks. Yeah, Cause we featured them on my show. I don't know whether I should name them, but. Well, uh, Dart, yeah, West Dart, uh, Union and bank Michigan, all three of them. We had them on my show in consecutive weeks because I hear that a lot from the cannabis crowd. But where you do have a lot of THC, um, that's the whole point, right? Uh, and so we had them on there, and, and they they pretty much handled, you know, Union is really West Michigan, and Bank Michigan is the state, DART is the full state, uh, Southeast Michigan particularly. But, I mean, they will. there are banks out there, but most of the big banks are still scared until uh, it's descheduled by the federal government. The big banks are just not going to take a chance because they're federally chartered and they could in theory lose their charters and essentially they're not a bank anymore, you know, so that's their big bugaboo. It's interesting, Mike, um, uh, one of the uh, exhibitors that were in Grand Rapids, one of the banks there, they could actually do stuff with marijuana. Is that somebody's phone on their desk? But they couldn't. It's not me. It's, it's, I heard it's, that too. I was trying to figure it out, you know, it, 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 it's, sorry, it's, go ahead. Um, but, but they couldn't do anything with hemp growers, which, you know, makes no sense. We're going to try to help them talk to their board about that, but yeah, they could work with cannabis, but not with hemp growers. Yeah. Um, just weird Who's stuff. That? Really? All kinds of weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then they want, you know, hundred dollars a month or $250 oh, a month. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's count. 250 a month. I won't name, they asked me not to disclose the numbers, but it's pretty heavy. But yeah. they have to do a lot of paperwork for the, the Fed, compliance, right? yeah. you know, compliance oh. stuff. So, so I mean, Molly, when these inspectors come out, there, there's a nice art, uh, email that you guys put out on uh, August the 2nd regarding uh, the industrial hemp grower compliance inspections. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a list of things that farmers need to have as well as just making that appointment, isn't there? Well, Yes, you're kind of talking about two different things. Um, we've really been talking about the sampling that's needed before you harvest, right? But one of the other charges in our act is to make sure growers are complying with the act. So we also do, we just call them grower inspections. Um, depending on the inspector's schedule and what's assigned, sometimes they will do those in conjunction with sampling and other times they'll make a separate appointment. Um, so that's the first thing to know. Second thing to know is that you might not uh, get a grower inspection this year. We're trying to 
we're trying to inspect about 50% each year. So it might not be till next year till you have an actual inspection. Um, but yes, when they do that grower inspection, it's kind of a twofold thing. It, it's a lot about um, um, compliance assistance. So inspectors use that opportunity to tell you what the requirements are for sampling pre-harvest. They use that opportunity to talk about your disposal and remediation options and what notifications you've got to give. But then they also do the inspection part where they're telling you about the signage that you need for your crops, um, the record keeping that you need to have. Um, and I, I think those are those are kind of the, the big highlights for that part of it. So it's really two types of inspections. They might choose to do it at the same time. Um, I'd say we, you know, this again, of course, this is the first year for season we've been doing that. I think we've maybe gotten through about 30 of those grower inspections. So um, I've had a lot of good feedback from our inspectors, a lot of good questions. You know, this is again, the first season then that they're out. So, um, you know, developing procedures for a brand new type of inspection for a brand new industry for, for our division, uh, they're always gonna find, find uh, unique situations and things that we, we didn't even think about, you know, when we put those procedures together. So it's a learning experience for them and for the growers too. But I, I, I really like those inspections because they're comprehensive, they cover, everything that the grower would need to comply with when it comes with uh, growing and processing. So, so how much how much training do those inspectors get? Now, how familiar are they really with industrial hemp? Well, they've, they've been getting training uh, since February. Um, mind you, we are still uh, operating mostly virtually. Um, we've just started kind of opening up to have some in-person inspect, um, in-person training and meetings, but they've gone through a series of, I'm going to, I'm going to guess about six different trainings to go through this. They're, they usually buddy up when it's uh, a newer inspector going out to do this type of inspection with someone that's already done it. We've also done on-site training um, at, a, at a grower processor's location so they could see what's going on. We also, we also have pesticide inspectors that have been pairing up with, um, with folks from the Marijuana Regulatory Agency to see what that world is like as they deal with uh, pesticide use complaints. So, you know, I, I don't want to rush it again. This is the first season. So uh, yeah. I'm going to say, you know, they're, they're, they are the ones they know about the laws, but you are the experts when it comes to growing and processing. They're learning as much from you as you are from them. And that, that's how it will always be. You, you guys will have that knowledge. You know, that our, our inspectors, particularly plant health, this hemp is one program uh, that they regulate just one of many. They're, they're going out doing Christmas tree inspections. They are inspecting uh, ornamental and perennial growers all summer long. They're doing invasive species. They're worried about spotted lanternfly right now. So they have a lot on their plates and hemp is, hemp is one of those things. So they're yeah. gonna learn um, and there, there will be questions coming up and I handle those. I, I don't think a day goes by that I don't get a question from either growers or the staff or lawyers for the growers and processors. So I think everybody is in the in the learning mode right now. Oh yeah, for sure. Do you, do you uh, need more inspectors? Is that something you're gonna go to the legislature or whomever you go to and say, I need more inspectors? Because hopefully, I mean, that's the whole point is this will grow as more and more farmers mm -hmm. get involved in hemp. 47 seems like a low number. I mean, right now maybe it's okay, but going forward, do you need more? Uh, I mean, that's possible. I don't know. I mean, we're, you know, we're, on one side, you think that we might need more inspectors. On the other side, we're also discussing um, concerns about the high registration. <laughs> we, yeah. well, you know, we have to, we have to fund it, right? And, and, you know, again, it's not just hemp for those inspectors, their, their time and how they get paid comes from many different programs. So, I mean, if this program expands and we see numbers like we did the first two years, yeah, we would probably need to look at having more people on board. But I mean, again, that's that's the future. We'll have to see what happens. Yeah. 
Yeah. As, as grain and fiber come on as they are, uh, especially when we can finally use grain for livestock, the numbers will definitely very much increase. I'm hoping by that time that, that we've been able to come up with a, a better way to do this, maybe a register of seeds that they're using, and then we don't need to inspect so sure. many or. Sure. Well, what you're talking about um, is, is performance-based sampling. Have you talked about that at all? No. Um, so that's, that's a phrase that comes out of USDA's final rule. And basically what it says is that uh, states can look at certain things to, to make some policy decisions on if they're going to sample every single lot. And one of those could be you're using certified seed. Uh, and, and they list specific examples in the final rule. Um, history of compliance with the grower, uh, research and development, um, and anything else that the state uh, you know, seems as a, uh, as a valuable thing that can be used to help reduce the number of samples needed. So yeah, in the future, if we see nonstop no problems with a fiber crop of a certain variety and it's never come close to being hot. That's something that sounds perfect to get put on that list. So MDAR doesn't need to come out to sample and you don't need to pay for us to come out and sample that particular variety when it's grown. So that's something that is also on my to-do list and probably will be happening uh, for the next season. Um, and that even that takes into account things like transplants and microgreens and things that you're wondering, why would we even sample this year? Well, we're sampling this year because we're required to by USDA until we get this performance based sampling done and approved by USDA. We, it, it's something that we can't even just, you know, by policy, give you an OK and we start doing it. It has to go into our state health, uh, hemp plan and get approved by USDA. So that's coming, but it's still early on. I'll be looking at you know not only our labs data, but data from the Midwestern Hemp Database and our surrounding states to try and get some of those varieties on a list. So, you know, we sample them, you know, on occasion to monitor compliance, but not every time you do a harvest. So that's, that's awesome. the that's the hope for the future for that. And that's awesome. I think that'll help everybody out quite a bit for sure on that. Uh, so uh, we talked a lot about grow around. Let's talk a little bit about the process around because really all USDA program covered really was the grower end of things. Didn't really cover too much on the processing side. So can you give us an update on where we are with that and what you see happening there in the future? Uh, sure. So we, so we saw 292 processors um, this year. That, that also is a reduction. Um, you know, right now our processing law wraps up a lot into one law, right? It covers actual processors, processors, what you'd think of a processor, um, brokers, marketers, um, those are all wrapped up into our hemp processor handler law and that license. Um, you know, what, so we, we recognize that right now, you know, you look at some of the other states that are ahead of us, there's a lot that goes into um, those products, particularly those consumable products, right? Testing requirements, mycotoxins, pesticides, heavy metals. None of those things are on the books right now for Michigan. Um, so th those are the things that we're going to be looking at. So when you talk about uh, is the industry going to start mirroring, um, mirroring more of what MRA requires for their things that are consumed? Probably that is that's what other states are doing, right? Um, so is that, you know, that's, that's things that we're looking at right now, uh, the changes that we need to make to our processor law. But, it, you know, I got me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we, we know you're, we appreciate you know, it. We know you're, uh, you have a large, large task ahead of you. And we, uh, we certainly appreciate all the effort that you put into this and your predecessors that have done this before, uh, Gina and, uh, you know, Craig's doing a great job over at the lab. Um, you know, I mean, it's all kind of a team. We're all kind of working right. on that. So. And I, I should not say guys it's future. just me. I should not say that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the lab is obviously a huge uh, component of our program. So Craig Van Buren over there. 
And he not only manages the lab aspect, but also our central licensing unit. So all the licensing paperwork, whether it's processors or growers, actually goes to that same division um, to do all that processing and getting your registration sent out to you, all that kind of stuff. So there are other players helping out for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So you can always like, use warm pants, right? <laughs> absolutely. So some takeaway points that we have on here is that uh, if they're not already signed up, everybody needs to make sure that they get signed up to get the emails, right? Yes. Yes. And that's super easy. You go to any MDARD webpage or hemp webpage, which is michigan.gov forward slash industrial hemp. You can go to the very bottom of any page, including that one, you'll see a red envelope that says sign up for email from MDARD. And then you can pick, you know, there's a bunch of different topics there because the department covers all sorts of things. So pick what you want and then you'll get on that list. So when we send out notices about Delta aid or sampling process or your options for disposal or remediation, you'll, you'll get that information. And you need to read those emails. That's the other part of it. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. I I know pretty quick when someone hasn't read a, when I read it, when I get an email that says I need sampling done, period. (laughs) So there was a question on Facebook. Uh, Can you, Blaine, you had explained it, the uh, variance on the, uh, it's 0.036 would be the amount with the variance at the lab is, is like the compliance level, right? That's right. Right. For Michigan, for Geekly's lab. Geekly lab, because that's their calibration. Right. Like they're, yeah, they're think a standard deviation Mm -hmm. back in the school days. uh, That's your, that's your error there. So 0.36, that's the maximum uh, allowable T. 0.036, right? Yes, point. But the zero is important. Yeah, otherwise 36%. 0.36%. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So that's that's a nice little cushion there for some. That'll help on that for sure. So, Mm -hmm. but again, uh, we understand your your task you have there. I kind of did a little quick math. And with the numbers that we have, uh, both processors and growers and that 1250 fee, um, although it sounds like a lot of money to run an agency, it's really not for what you're no, trying to do. Not a good it's so not. And, and, you know, we didn't talk about it. It's, it's a little known fact, I think. But, um, you know, before our Public Act 220, the Growers Act was updated uh, to comply with the interim final rule and the final rule. So before all that happened, um, storing, no, start, not storing, Drying. Drying hemp was actually a, a processor activity. It was in the laws of processor activity. So those first two years to be in compliance, if you were a grower and doing what all growers do and hanging up their plants in their barn and, mm-hmm. and drying them, you, you technically needed both the grower and the processor license. Yep, now, I I don't, yeah, I think every, just about everybody bought both at the, that first year. They might have. But then after that, you know, so with that law change, uh, that drying got moved to grower, the grower act, right? So you really, if you, if you were only doing those activities in 2019 and 2020, you needed a hundred dollar license and a $1,350, right? For the processor. Um, if you were only doing those activities come 2021, you only needed the grower license. So you'd technically be saving yourself $200, but that's a little, you know, that's a little thing that I don't, I don't think a lot of people even realize that difference and when that got moved from the old but if you're into gonna the sell, grower definition. But if you're going to market your own product, you're going to grow and market, you need both. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just thinking of the, the yeah, traditional marketing. things that you would do for cultivation only. Yeah. But, right. Right. Well, I mean, so that's something to think about. You know, I, I, like I said, I, I, I understand entirely the the fee change and how that that's difficult, uh, especially for smaller growers. Um, it's something to think about when you talk with your legislators. Do you, mm-hmm. you know, if you 
if we get to the point, you know, where, where our department can't support the program, you know, we, we might be in a situation like Wisconsin is in, I don't know, you know, but you know, we, we're, we're doing what our laws say and what our legislatures Mm -hmm. end up, you know, what they end up telling us to do. So that might change in the future, but so far we're operating under, you know, this is, this program run at the state level is something that the industry wanted and we're busting our butt to make sure that, you know, we, we get everything out there that's needed and run a good program, not just for the growers and processors, but for our staff that, um, you know, have to go out and, and implement that program. They need that kind of clarification too. So. I have a question on the, on the sampling back to the sampling real quick. So I, I spoke with the grower, yesterday i won't disclose who it was but he hadn't called in for his appointment yet and he's like ready to harvest so Ruh-roh. he's gonna have to <laughs> harvest and hang them and, and inspect them there because you want it to stop right i mean you, you're at more risk the more time goes on for it to go hot oh sure can um, you sample it in the barn oh we, no we do not want that so, so remember, <laughs> federal rules and state rules, we're supposed to be doing that sampling before you harvest, right? Mm. That's that's critical. Um, well, that's don't, let, don't let, because you didn't <laughs> tell us early enough, don't let that be the reason that you don't call us and ask for sampling, for, for goodness yeah. sake. I, I listened to your show last week and Jeff Gallagher, someone said it's much easier to give us a call ahead of time. You know, it, it's not good to ask for forgiveness after. That's not that's not good with, with the state. We want you to call ahead of time, even if you, you know, didn't listen, didn't hear the 20 to 30 days, please call us. Please get on our books for reservation. We'll work with you as best as we can and get it sampled right away. Yeah, I would rather 40, have that happen than have a call. Uh, I already harvested everything. It's It's in a barn right now. Then I have to think about, you know, well, what else happened? Is it mixed with others? You know, I don't want to, I don't want to go there. Yeah. Call us before you harvest. That is okay. what is required. All right. Well, thank you. I just wanted to get that out there so we knew what. We're... Your phones after, after this uh, podcast in a couple of days, you're going to phone, hopefully your phone will just be ringing with all the other 110 people that need to get in and get those tests done. Then that or at least the lots that they have anyway. So. Yeah. Now, there isn't like an expedited fee if somebody needs to like this particular individual, if they pay an additional fee, could, I'm not, you know, is that? Yeah, is there's, that... we don't have that yet. Um, oh, okay. And I, I would say, man, that's a great idea, but I can't imagine if I'm getting complaints right now about the fees, what they're going to do with another <laughs> one like that. Yeah. Uh, we don't I'm have that right now. Call and call early. That's the yeah, we you know, don't call, call often, early. right? You know, just call early. So you can right. still set it for, you know, again, it, it can even be over that 30 days, right? Once they call in, they say, well, I really don't need it until, you know, yeah. this date. It can be more than 30 days away. You can get it. Yeah. Yep. You know, we've gotten a few of those too that are, that are calling very, very far in advance. And again, I'd rather have that than last minute, but you know, we, we all know it's a brand new program. These are all new rules that mm-hmm. everyone is learning about. So our inspectors are working with the growers when these situations happen and getting them on the books. Believe me, I've seen, I've seen some outstanding things of people driving Excellent. across the UP to get samples done. You know, we, had, we have inspectors everywhere, but as you can imagine, they're more sparse than the UP. That, that yeah. takes a lot of work to go from one side to the other. So it's happening. Um, we're getting a lot of samples coming in hot and heavy. Our our lab is doing a great job keeping up. Um, so we'll work with you, please. So yeah. it doesn't matter if it's sampling or you know any other thing that you have questions about compliance with. It's always better to ask me ahead of time. Communicate, <laughs> and, and for goodness' sake, call before you harvest. <laughs> All right, excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Well, Molly, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Um, I know that what's going on there and, and spending a few minutes with us today and sharing that information. And we look forward to uh, you and Greg presenting at the uh, expo in January. We'll get that official request out to you real soon. 
but uh, mark your calendar. We'll put you on Friday so you don't have to work on Saturday, but uh, <laughs> okay. we'll look forward to it. Once again, we'll have you guys probably opening up the show uh, um, for that day. So we look for a great turnout with that. And um, again, I'm, I'm glad that we've got you running the ship there and helping us work through this, this whole new process for everybody. So we certainly appreciate that very much. Thanks. Uh, I appreciate you having me. And and if I didn't start by saying it, I will say that um, the extreme majority of people that have contacted me, growers, processors, um, they've all been great to work with. I've, I've had, I can think of one person that was a little grouchy just about <laughs> state government in general. And yeah. uh, nothing I can help Always got one with, or two of those somewhere. Always one or two. Um, but otherwise, they've been outstanding, uh, you know, to work with, very understanding, recognize that we're, we're all new to some of these, uh, yeah. some of these laws. Mm -hmm. So um, I appreciate that. And I appreciate the patience and understanding. And it's only going to get better. And the industry is only going to grow. So I think it's, it's an exciting place to be. And I'm glad I made the switch into the hemp world. Yay. All right. And and now I think we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, food. Food. Yeah, food. we certainly are. Hey, you want to stick around for this, Molly? This is the highlight of the show. So I will. Uh, so, Mike, I, I, the, the name of that bank, it's a credit union, and it's out of uh, Saginaw. It's a wildfire. Wildfire credit union? Yeah. Wildfire credit. You know, I'll get this information to you so you can talk with them and oh, I haven't heard information of information out there. Again, they can work with cannabis right now, but not with hemp growers right now. So uh, let's see. Uh, one other thing that came out for the for our organic uh, people, this is kind of important. Uh, the National Organic Standard Board is asking for public comments on a variety of topics. So you have uh, there's going to be some uh, virtual meetings. We'll get this up on the website, but uh, Wednesday, October 13th. Thursday the 14th, they're from noon until 5. Uh, they've got some other dates on here as well, the 19th, 20th, and 21st. So if there's some comments you want to make on organic, um, certainly uh, you have an opportunity to get some information in on that as well. So uh, let's see, a couple of things. Uh, Illinois Hemp Grower, uh, Saturday the 25th is their third annual meeting. Going to be a real fun one, what they're doing. Uh, if you're a disc golfer at all, they're actually having the meeting at a golf course uh, that's a, a regular golf course and a disc golf course as well. So, um, so that's coming up very well there. And then don't forget, we have other dates and everything on the site. October 16th, Saturday will be the uh, October uh, hemp networking event for Michigan. Um, and then um, stay tuned for a lot of great information and topics coming out regarding the expo in January. Again, going to be another great one. A lot of great information is going to be there for everybody as we move forward. So with that being said, we are ready for today's recipe. You have to, get, have to, you have to dress up for the part. You see, I have to do yeah, this. Yeah, there you go. The emperor's here. Yeah, so uh, Dave, you want to share? You got it up? Is it to. the butter recipe? It is the butter recipe. Yes, it is. This is I can really, share it. Really, see, I like really simple things. And this is a really simple thing. It's yeah, I like recipes that begin with butter, a stick yeah. of butter. Those are good. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's one ingredient in this, and it's hemp hearts. They talk about hemp seed in here, but you really don't want to use the hemp seed. You want to use the hemp hearts. You can use the hemp seed, but it's going to be a little more grainy. Um, and so you'll get a little more benefit out of it, but uh, you want it's the a little more smoother. Seed. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you want to use right there. So. Not the full seed. Um, one and a half cups of hemp seed, uh, hemp, also known as hemp hearts, they say there. And you put it in a blender and you put it on there for, oh, for five to six minutes with a break every two to three minutes. Uh, make it nice and smooth and creamy. Um, once you made it, you put it in an airtight container, you put it in the fridge, it can last for up to a month. And you can also freeze it if you want for a longer time period. So mm. a good way to get some healthy um diet into your uh, healthy um, condiment into your diet. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, I've been making oh, hemp milk. You just go along with your hemp milk if you have hemp yeah, milk. Yeah, you know, <laughs> the hemp milk is real simple to do too. I haven't tried this yet. I'm going to try this. So It's pretty simple. Again, I like simple things. It takes about 10 minutes. Simple and easy. So, so then you can use that in cooking like other butters? Oh, sure. Absolutely. 
Mm-hmm. That will be interesting. Yeah. Oh. All right. All right. So I want to thank everybody for joining us today. Uh, again, Molly and the MDAR with Jake Grab, you're doing. Uh, next week on the 23rd, we're going to have uh, Jeff Cole from US Hemp Brokerage. Again, I want to thank, I'm going to move out of the way here. I want to thank all of our great sponsors that helped us uh, put on the iHemp Hour and do the trips that we've done this last, uh, going to Chi and uh, doing Grand Rapids, uh, Veritas Labs, Lakeland Hemp, um, Adams Independent, US Hemp Brokerage, uh, Scott Colville, Colville Crop Insurance. Uh, this is, uh, if you're looking at crop insurance for next year, you definitely want to give Scott a call so he can help you work through that process. I am manufacturing uh, the Hemperer. Uh, that'll be the oils and the stuff that I make. Um, the Midwest IF Expo, Neogen, and U.S. Hemp Wholesalers, uh, better known as Made by Hemp. So I want to thank everybody for their support and their help. Um, it takes a it takes a team to raise the village, and that's what we're trying to do, folks. So, yep. All right. See everybody next week. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Molly. Thank you.